be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, it is the second week in a row we have a reading about John the Baptist. Um, So, um, he gets two weeks out of four every Advent. Um, And last week, um, I talked about John based on something of who he was from the Gospel of Mark. Today, the reading comes from uh, the Gospel of John, as we've just heard. Um, And so, really what I want to think about today is what is our identity? That really is the question that this reading is trying to address. What was the identity of John the Baptist? Everybody loves a hero. Uh, When you go to the movies, if you do, or you watch a movie on the television at home or other device, um, you probably enjoy watching... um, some of you, um, superheroes. If you don't now, maybe you did when you were a child, or if you were a child uh, or a young person, you might still enjoy them. Um, Any any favorite superheroes? Superman? Spider-Man? Batman? Any others? Wonder Woman? Okay, a few few there. Um, and, uh, And if you've ever watched one of those movies where there's a superhero, there's normally that point when you can't quite identify who the hero is. And um, whoever it is will, will save somebody's life, and all the people will be standing there saying, who are you? Uh, and that is the question uh, that we have here for John the Baptist. Who are you? The... Um, the religious leaders have been sent down from Jerusalem to John to ask him who he is uh, and to go and report back. Uh, They've obviously heard that he's out there. We learned about this last week. He's out there baptizing in the River Jordan and and calling people to repent, to turn away from their old ways and to turn towards God. Um, That's what we heard about last week. And, And now this week we hear they're coming out and say, who are you? What is your identity? And um, so that's what we hear. The religious people are beginning to get itchy. But John doesn't hide away or, or give kind of secret answers. He tells them who he is. Um, now, if, um, if you're curious, which some of you are, back at the end of Malachi, um, in Malachi 4, And verse 5, it says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Um, So, they were on the lookout for Elijah. They were expecting the prophet Elijah to come before the Messiah. That's their expectation. So really, they're going out to answer the question, Okay, so we think Elijah's going to come, then the Messiah's going to come. Are you Elijah? And that would therefore be, um, be coming before the Messiah does. Uh, so that's, that's where their questioning comes from. Um, we see John being asked, who are you? Um, he answers plainly, he says, I am not the Christ. He knew that was what they wanted to know, and he was honest. He had come to be a signpost pointing the way to Christ, to testify to the light, as it says in the prelude of the gospel, that is Jesus, 
John the Baptist didn't claim to be better than he was or above his station. He didn't want people to follow him, but rather he wanted people to follow the one who Jesus was talking about, who he was talking about, which would be Jesus. What is our identity? Are we pointing the way to Christ? John's testimony at the start of this fourth gospel makes us think of our own testimony. Every one of us has a testimony, a story of how we've come to faith, or if you haven't come to faith, your story is still being written. As we're on our, we talk about being on a journey of faith, uh, as we go through life and explore uh, what faith means in Jesus Christ, what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. And as that story is being written, people may ask us about our identity. And there are times when we might be challenged, as John was, to stand up and declare what we believe in. The second question goes a bit deeper. What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? John, as we heard, draws an answer from the Old Testament scripture. It seems like he knows what he's there for. And so he, he goes to Isaiah, and, say, and, and, and it seems like he's claiming to be the one who Isaiah was prophesying about. No doubt the priests and the Levites were kind of glad that he wasn't claiming to be the Christ or the Messiah, but also they were pretty annoyed um, that he was claiming to be somebody uh, this important. He was the voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. We live in a spiritual wilderness. Uh, they say that the west coast of Canada um, is, is one of the, the parts of the world that has the smallest number of people who claim to be Christians. In fact, um, British Columbia has um, the largest number of nuns. By nuns, I don't mean religious people who wear habits. By nuns, I mean people who on the census say religion, none. Uh, it's something like 46% of people claim to have no faith at all. And so as John was in the wilderness of the desert, in a land where people would have been so um, used to faith, faith in all sorts of things, uh, that is so different from the land we find ourselves in now. Back in John's time, everyone would have believed in something. If it wasn't the God that we call God, it would be some other God. Everyone had a sense of awe and wonder at the world, and, and, and that was expressed in different ways as people worship creation or worship the sun or, or, or whatever else. And so this is quite a new thing to be in a place where almost half of our population are claiming to have no faith in anything at all. John was a voice crying in the wilderness. We live in a spiritual wilderness. Roughly two or 3,000 people in Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows go to church on a Sunday, which is roughly two or 3% really not very many. 
And you might hear those numbers and think, well, that's actually quite good. It's more than I thought. And, and I think, you know, when we hear that, we think, wow, we couldn't even fill a stadium. Whereas in other parts of the world, you would need several stadiums to fill all the worshippers. We live in a spiritual wilderness. And so we get to be the ones as children of God, of the King, who, who get to talk about faith and God. Who when someone we know is not well, people will say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sending up good thoughts. And we can say, I'm going to pray for you. And it's in those moments when, and I, I've been in these moments too, um, and, and I'm sure you have, where you find you're the only Christian in a place and you have a hotline to heaven. And that's not that the other people couldn't have a hotline to heaven. They just don't. Because statistically speaking, 46% of them tick none on the census. And so we have the language and the words to say, I can pray for you. I can talk to God. We get to be like John out there pointing the way to God, pointing the way to Jesus, his son, telling them that the spirit we talk of is the Holy Spirit of God. And if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. And God uses you. I know for me there's times when the last thing I wanted to do was to point the way to God. When the last thing I wanted to do was to be like John the Baptist. The worst thing, as some of you know, for me is when I'm at dinner somewhere or lunch. And people awkwardly say, someone ought to say a prayer or ought to say grace. And I'm thinking inside, here it comes. David, you're religious, you can say a prayer. Have you been in that situation? I mean, I get that a lot. I'm sure some of you do too, but I do get that quite a lot. Um, and the, I know I've told this story before, but it's funny. The worst one was when our previous bishop, um, there was a lunch and there were all these, all these priests, I was going to say priests and Levites. There were all these clergy there. <laughs> And um, <laughs> someone get me some coffee. Uh, there were all these clergy there, and the bishop suddenly said, David, you can say grace. And at that moment, my heart froze within me, and I was like, ah, she's going to want me to say a proper grace. Um, and so sometimes I just say what I think. So I said, um, I said, I can't remember what the proper grace is, so I'm just going to make one up. And you know, that's what we get to do. Because I know how to pray. I just couldn't necessarily remember. And the bit I couldn't remember was that, um, was that at those kind of functions, they kind of like someone to say, the Lord be with you. So people reply, and also with you. And, in, in that, and it's just the silliest thing, and it doesn't matter. But in that moment, I was like, oh, what is that thing that we're supposed to say before we pray? And I couldn't think of it. And there's all these clergy looking at me. Anyway, so I prayed. Um, and when I get going, I can pray. Um, and pray and keep going. But sometimes we find ourselves in those moments 
when we're asked to express our faith or be the person of faith in the room or be the person of hope in the room or be the person of joy in the room or be the person of peace in the room. Our identity as Christians can be expressed in those moments of prayer. John was to make straight the way of the Lord. When we take those moments to say, I'll pray for you when a friend tells us that they have cancer. I'll pray for you when someone's lost their job. I'll pray for you when someone's stressed or anxious about their child or grandchild for all sorts of reasons. In those moments, we live for the gospel We, like John, prepare for the Lord's second coming. We bring the kingdom a tiny bit closer with our actions. What do you say about yourself? If someone says to you, are you religious? Can I just say, I hate that question. Are you religious? I hate that question. I'm not religious really, is what I often say. Because I think of religion as, you know, If I was religious, I'd probably be standing at the pulpit and not moving around. If I was religious, I'd probably be wearing a collar. I don't know what you think of when you think of that question, are you religious? My identity is not someone who is religious. My identity is a follower of Jesus as a Christian. And maybe um, that could be too uh, when it comes to denomination. Sometimes we can put our, our denominations, our, the kind of church we're in, uh, as above our, our faith. And it's the wrong way around. Firstly, I'm a Christian. Secondly, I'm an Anglican Christian. I'm not an Anglican Christian and then a Christian. I'm a Christian. It sometimes disarms people. If you've ever tried this, it's quite fun. It kind of disarms people when they say, you know, what, what are you? And I say, I'm a Christian. Well, what kind of Christian are you? The kind that loves Jesus? What, what do you want me to say? They're prodding. They want me to say I'm an Anglican or a Catholic or a whatever else. Our identity is about Christ, about pointing to Christ, about talking about Christ, uh, leading others to Christ. We're like signposts. Are we pointing to Christ? When others ask us about our identity, are we pointing to Christ? Are we being the Christ follower? The Christian means little Christ in the room. We find an expression of our identity, sure, through our church and through our denomination and, 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 and through this particular place. We can say, yeah, I go to St. George's, or if you're from somewhere else, I go there, and you can, you can point to it. But our primary identity as disciples of the risen king comes from the one whom we worship. What is our identity? What is it that we say about ourselves Monday through Saturday when we're not in church? The third question, why are you baptizing? Okay, so we've established that John didn't think he was Elijah or a prophet or the Messiah. So they're going, okay, so what right do you have to be baptizing? 
and they had fairly closed minds. John's baptism was about pointing to Christ. And so that's just for clarification, that's different to the baptism we did today. Um, the baptism that we do now, uh, post-New Testament, is different. John's was a baptism uh, pointing to Christ, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which is part of what we do, but ours um, comes from uh, the, the other end of the New Testament, or, or the Gospel, uh, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, "Go uh, as you go, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, slight difference. Um, if you wondered. But John was baptizing in order to point people to Christ, in order to help them get ready because Christ was coming. If you have children and your parents are coming over, um, their grandparents, you might say to them, "Um, Nana's coming in a bit. I want you to go into the bathroom and wash your face. Right, because you want to make sure that they haven't got um, whatever it is, donuts or candy all over their face, and they look a bit presentable. Uh, That's the kind of baptism. It's a baptism of preparing for Jesus' coming, of getting ready. Um, Why then are you baptizing? John said, as I said last week, one is coming, who, the, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. Um, back in these times, um, uh, the sandals would be tied or untied by um, people. It was a fairly menial job to, to tie the sandals or untie the sandals. Uh, they would be servants and not high-ranking servants, pretty low-level servants. Um, And so John is putting himself below the lowest of servants or slaves in saying, I am not worthy to even do that most menial job. As Christians, there is an intentionality about what we do. We come to worship Jesus, mindful that we are not worthy so much as to kneel down and untie the thongs of his sandals. And yet, we are welcomed into God's presence. And so we come to church today with a sense of expectation. A sense of expectation. A sense of expectation as we celebrate Montgomery's baptism as we celebrate how uh, God is at work in our community, in drawing people in from near and far. We come today with a sense of expectation that as we raise our hands in worship, it's as though we're touching the edge of heaven as we join in with the song of the angels. Maybe you come with expectation that there'll be some epic sermon from the rector. I don't know, you can tell me if this was epic or not at the end. Maybe you have an expectation that you've got something, a burden on your heart, and you just need to lay it down. And you know that by coming and laying it down at the foot of the cross and going, that that burden will be lifted. We have intentionality as we come to worship, and we have many different ways 
that we can engage as we try and make sense of life, the universe, and everything, of who God is and who Jesus is and who we are in him. As we keep asking, why do we do what we do? Why do we sing songs? Why do we have sermons? Why do we hear from the Bible? Why do we spend time praying? Why then are we baptizing? As we keep asking those questions, we'll come back to the answer that it's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus came to earth and lived the human life with all its highs and lows. He did nothing wrong and yet was crucified on a cross like the one behind me so that we could be free from all of our sins and could spend eternity with him. And that eternity starts now. It's not that you become a Christian and say, that's all right, I'm good. When I die, I'm going to heaven. That is true. But in the meantime, we get to be like John. Signposts pointing the way to Jesus. Skimming the edge of heaven as we worship. Bringing all to him. That is Jesus. As we follow Christ, our identity is found in him. It's nearly that time of the year when if you have a television, they will be regurgitating uh, old content. I mean, they'll be putting out shows, uh, looking at what happened over the year. Um, and as that happens, uh, that review of the year, they'll be looking backwards. And then we'll begin to look forward, and it will be that time again for New Year's resolutions We'll be asking ourselves the questions, what do I want to be in 2024? Punctuated with, can you believe it's 2024? We'll be asking, what is ahead for us? In this season of Advent, we look forward. We look forward to the day when Christ will surely return and make all things new. We have a gospel to proclaim. Jesus came into the world to bring all people back to God, even though we were far off. In John the Baptist, we see an example of what it means to be doing God's work, proclaiming the coming of the Son of God in words and actions. We see later on, John was killed for his faith. I'm hoping for us that won't happen. But that was the cost as he stood up for what he was asked to do. What is our identity? What do we say about ourselves and our calling? How are we pointing the way to Jesus? So Lord, would you help us as followers of you to keep our identity rooted in you, Lord Jesus Christ, Give us confidence to proclaim our faith, to confess freely as John the Baptist did when we are asked as we walk through our modern day spiritual wilderness. Let us, like John, be people who cry out, make straight the way of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing a song. Um, and as we do, uh, the font is still here. 
Um, you might like to come forward and just um, dip your hand in the water and make the sign of the cross on your forehead just as a sign of saying, Lord, I repent and I choose to follow you. So that's there. I'm, I'll put some more water in because warm it up a bit for you. There you go. Um, so you could come and do that. Um, I don't know if we've got anyone that could on the prayer team. I think we do have a couple. So there might be someone on one or other side. Kathy's, if you could, yeah. We've got Kathy, that's great. Um, so if you'd like prayer, um, then you could come for prayer too. But I do invite you, if you'd like to come and um, uh, dip your finger in the water as a sense of refreshing your baptism, uh, you can do that. Uh, we're only going to sing one song, and then we're going to have our prayers of intercession. So if you feel like, I need three or four songs before I'm going to get going, um, then you'll be here till next week. So do come forward and do that. Uh, sing, and if you like prayer, then come for prayer.